From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. Thank you, Shaggy. Yes, Big C here. Off the Record episode, off the top of my head, I think it was 64. So season three, episode four, and we in a packed program tonight, as the two Ronnies used to say. It's going to be a good one, I think. We have, uh, we're talking about our favourite singles from the year, well, favourite singles released from the year 1978, 44 years ago. Uh, with me, of course, I have Stinky Pete, first of all, from Edelsborough, of course. Hello, Pete. Hello, Colin. Thank you. <laughs> now, Pete has, Pete has stated, controversially maybe, that he thought that 78 was the best ever year for single releases so i'm gonna back this i'm gonna back this up could be interesting to see what he's come up with but also with me um is singer guitarist songwriter from melbourne australia it's austin dunmore welcome back austin thank you colin uh hello pete hello listeners and, and i Pop- share pete's share pete's opinion I, yeah. It's it's probably my favourite year for singles. I don't know what was in the water or whether there was a like a, a shift because of radio programming rules, but people concentrated on singles as an art form, and you're, you're going to hear some great stuff. I would agree with both of you. Actually, it is a good year. I don't know whether I would say it was the best ever for both of you. Maybe saying without listening and, and a lot of research on every single other year. Um, but it was a good year. Uh, my, mine, you say there are a lot of singles releases, uh, singles released. Maybe they focused on singles more in that year. There were a lot, and mine, mine are probably a bit biased towards the sort of new sounds that were coming out from the remnants, if you like, of uh, punk and new wave. So there's quite a bit of that in mine. I, I didn't think, either of you would go mad on some of those. So hopefully... Well, I, de- I deliberately didn't because I knew you would. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, there's a few that I probably could have had that I thought that you would have or maybe Austin will have as well. Um, but we'll find out. If we if we clash, then... Because uh, they're not all new wave and punk, just, you know, significant chunk of them for me. I've got a number, a plethora, no less, of singles suggestions sent to me from listeners and I will be reading them all out. But I, I found I was running out. I mean, I, running out of pa- room on my paper that I was writing them down, on, to be honest. And when I got all these suggestions coming, I think, oh, yeah, why didn't I include that? Why didn't I include that? There's just so many of these singles that we could have had in 1978. We'll press straight on that, shall we? I don't Pete or well, Austin? I think we'll start. We'll start down under, unless you had something to utter there, Pete, did you? No, I was just I, I was going to just do a little introduction on mine, but I'll do it when I uh, when we get to it. Thanks okay, on. Austin. Top of the morning to you and all that. Yes, top of the morning. Oh. Um, first selection uh, from Johnny Cougar um, off his album "An Autobiography." Uh, I need a lover with a with a four minute intro, isn't it? <laughs> no. Well, that was never uh, that was never on the radio single, uh, but. Uh, but the, uh, the the four minute it's I don't think it's quite four minutes probably more like two and a half or something but wow uh, it's it's such a great intro um, 
And uh, crazy thing is that uh, he didn't like that album very much at all. And, and that was the, uh, the, that was the turning point for him to, to strip back his sound um, and uh, play more to rural themes. I, I, I'm not sure how I'd characterize. He's kind of a bit of an angry young man. And uh, I, I have this album and, and the music is quite sophisticated. It's in that kind of late seventies uh, kind of FM rock thing that was going on with the babies and, and meatloaf. And I'm not even sure what the common elements are, but it's um, it is sophisticated and it's, it's like, uh, all the elements are, are very mature, and 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 Johnny Cougar was was right up there uh, in in the mix uh, in terms of, um, of of what he was uh, churning out. And um, obviously, uh, I mean, if you've heard that intro, which I'll put on the Spotify playlist, the the full version, uh, it's clear that the uh, the the backing band, uh, session musicians, whatever, are um, you know uh, all over their craft. It's um it, it's it's a great you know great piece of musicianship that uh, that song. And that's which which album was it on? Johnny Cougar, John Cougar was it called? It was called an autobiography. It was just called an autobiography. Now remind me then was that? Oh, oh hang on, no no I'm wrong. It's called a biography. Um, a biography yeah. was that his first or second album then or? Uh, ooh, I should check is, that out, shouldn't I? Really, that is a um, good question. I think uh, it's at least his second album. I think his first one was the uh, the Chestnut Street Incident. Oh, that's like the one. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just called a biography. Yeah. Before he started to change his name a few times as well. <laughs> well, he 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 never chose that name. His uh, his manager kind of branded him with it, and he was uh, he, he was very very unhappy about it. So he had to he. Um, like gradually work it out of his uh, out of his moniker. <laughs> he did a great job and confused the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I think he is unfairly criticised by a few as being like a poor man's Bruce Springsteen. I think actually. Yeah, I think that is. Unfair, I think it's a very harsh. I mean, I, did you buy that album, Pete? The words of music or the greatest yes, hits? Yes, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I did. And There's I've some great songs. Times, but there are some really good songs in it. Yeah. I presume I need a lover is on that. It's a very yeah, early, obviously, yeah, very all, early song. All of all of the classics that you know get played on the radio still are all on there. No, the biography was his second released album. Yeah, hmm. March the sixth, nineteen seventy-eight. Okay. I need a lover. Yeah, I did. Got into Cougar probably around the Scarecrow album, so I was a little bit of a late, uh, a late comer to the John Cougar Mellencamp uh, brigade, as it were. Although I, was, you know, I like Jack and Diane, but album-wise, Scarecrow was the one that I got into. But I need a lover. Yeah, okay, good song. Pete, you're going to give us an intro now, aren't you? Well, only because right, so 1978. My choices are very much not my normal choices. So usually I'd be straight down the line rock. I, I'm not on this one. I've gone left and right field. Um, but there's a there's a very specific reason for that, and that is because 1978 was my last year at uni. So it was the and it was the last year at uni, and it was the year I started work. So and it was the year I started going out with my to be wife. So it was a very um, it was a very significant year in my life, and the music is very much associated with what was a significant year. Now, 
I think the other element to it is that, and, and you know, I don't know whether you agree with this, Austin, but for me, what made it special was not only was there lots of good singles, and that may well have been with radio, et cetera, et cetera, but I think when I was going back and doing the research, call it what you want, I remembered loads of this stuff. It, what struck me was that it was strong right across the board. If you go back to, you know, like, you know, we all say 71 maybe was the best year. Well, it was for albums. But when you look at a lot of the singles that came out there, they were pretty pants. When you look at the singles, it doesn't matter what the genre was. So punk or post-punk, I, I think 78 was punk's best year as well. But, I mean, yeah, that's up for debate. So punk, pop, rock, disco, reggae, all of them were absolutely producing fantastic stuff. And that's why I think it's the greatest year. And I've chosen deliberately right across all of those different genres. Um, well, almost all of those different did genres. Did you mention disco in that? Uh, I did mention know. disco, and I'm rather hoping that Mark doesn't beat the crap out of me in the pub in Enfield when yeah, I... Yeah, uh, a friend of ours, Mark. Mark anyway, um, <laughs> I, I don't like disco. I, I don't do cat. disco. Um, anyway. He hates he hates it all, doesn't he? Well, uh, no, I, Ron, I, I don't. Sorry. You don't dislike. I, I don't dislike this. Okay. Well, on that note, Rhonda has just uh, messaged us saying it is. Well, we're talking about seventy eight being one of the best years. It is one of the best once you shovel all the disco out of the way. Yeah, we well, see. I, I'm sorry, I just don't buy that because <laughs> you you cannot take an entire musical form and bin it because you don't like it and. You know, I'm not a massive fan of punk, but I haven't been loads of punk stuff because there was some really good stuff that came out. And I saw a lot of those punk bands at Reading that year. I mean, it was basically all punk. Anyway, that's my raison d'etre. So my number one choice, and I haven't done these in order. This is, I'm just doing these. No, I don't think I have. Either. Come out. So my number one choice is uh, March of that year, and it is Because the Night for the Patti Smith Group. <laughs> And I absolutely love that song. Um, I, I, went to, I went to the Reading Festival that year, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. It's the only time I did all three days. And in fact, it was the last time I went to Reading because it kind of went down the crapper fairly quickly into the 80s. But um, And I went because on the Saturday it was Spirit and I think Status Quo were the headliners on the Saturday. That's what I went for. But because Good we were going, Exactly. Because we were going for the weekend... I thought, well, you know, we'll stay for the Sunday. There was loads of punk stuff down the down the uh, the bill, but on the but on the Sunday night, it was Tom Robinson band, then Foreigner, and then Patti Smith. And, and, and Foreigner finished, and I, they were brilliant. And I thought, right, time to go. And my brother said, "Now come on, we'll stick around for Patti Smith." She was absolutely brilliant. She blew the stage away. And I just, I mean, I haven't got very much of her stuff. I've got some stuff on compilation tapes. But that song is a real anthem for 78, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely love it. So that is my first choice, Patty. Yeah, I thought that you or and or Austin might have that in there. I don't know. Have you got it in there as well, Austin? Uh, no, I don't, but, uh, I mean, oh, I agree okay. with Pete's assessment. It is an like anthemic. Um, it is an anthemic, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I always get confused whether it was a Springsteen song that Patti Smith took over and added up loads of stuff or it was the other way around. Um, Springsteen song, isn't it? It's, it's, com it's co-composed by them both, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, okay, it's a great song, and her delivery is fantastic. Right, okay, on to me then. I'm going. I might as well go straight into the punk or new wave. Um, actually, today on my radio show, uh, which is on at nine a.m. UK time every weekday morning, <laughs> four a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Join me, CBW Radio. Um, the, the last station you'll ever need. Wake me up when uh, this is over, all right? Uh, no. Uh, we, uh, today I was sort of com- commemorating, if that's the right word, remembering some of the performances from Live Aid, which, of course, happened on this very day uh, 37 years ago in 1985, so at Wembley and at Philadelphia. Now, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole boxing match or shooting match uh, wouldn't have taken place without this guy that I'm about to mention, his name being Bob Geldof. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, he set it all up, got everyone together to perform on the day. Now, I'm the, he, the Boomtown Rats was his band. Uh, they were sort of a new wave band, uh, punk, new wave, whatever you want to call them. He was a great songwriter, great lyricist, I think. Uh, now, he had a few singles, thought they had a few singles that year. Um, and the one I've chosen, She's So Modern was a good one and uh, like clockwork the other two from this album tonic for the troops which was their second album and probably their best the single i've chosen was released on the 6th of october 1978 and it was rat trap which i got on my reserve list great song yeah i don't know i don't know whether austin's heard of rat trap boontown rats down there did they get did they make it down under no i'm happy to say i don't know it so uh, i'll be excited to check it out it was the first punk stroke new wave song single to make number one in the UK uh, in October 1978. There was a famous incident on top of the pops where they 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 went to number one and on the Thursday night on top of the pops, the BBC TV uh, pop music show, they were they appeared on there and at the start of the song. They had a, a a magazine photograph of John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, and they ripped it up in several pieces as they started the song. <laughs> okay, um, as if well, they were a bit fed up because I think the last six, 16 out of the last twenty-two weeks, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John were at number one in the UK. So that's why they thought this is the new breed coming in. It's a great, it's a great song. It's one of the strangely, I preferred at the time the previous few singles. Rat Trap, I thought, why did they released it? It's a long single. It's the last track on the album. But as soon as they started playing on the radio, on BBC Radio One or whatever, I just sort of find yourself singing along to the words. And there's a lot of words to it as well. So it's a tale about a guy called Billy who um, feels that his depressing town that he lives in has become a bit of a, a rat trap. Um, and I mean, some of the words, I mean, I'm not going to try and remember them all, but I mean, some of them are, it's a great, he doesn't like living there in this town. He says the traps have been sprung long before it was born. He says, hope bites the dust behind all the closed doors and pus and grime ooze from its scab crusted sores. They're screaming and crying in the high rise block. It's a rat trap, Billy, and you're already caught. Um, uh, strangely, the puff really and grime ooze from its scab-crusted sores line was removed from the single version, and a change, a slightly toned-down version, which was blood and tears pour down the drains and the sewers. Not that it really mattered, because Geldof mumbled the line anyway. <laughs> and they performed it at Live Aid. But Rat Trap, Boontown Rats, 
is my first one. Great song. Oh, you agree? Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, I, I, I really like Boomtown Rats. I, I, I love um, Mondays as well. You know, Don't Like Mondays. I think the words of that are fantastic too. Classic, so, yeah. He's, he's a brilliant songwriter. Okay. Austin, back down to you, sir. Yeah. Uh, I'll just speak to uh, Pete's comment about uh, about all the genres uh, uh, really kind of um, at their at their peak there. Um, that's that's something that uh, that I've observed as well. Um, I, I guess looking over the, the history of, of uh, popular music, um, particularly in the late twentieth century. Um, although uh, I, I'll just add, um, uh, what did you what did you characterize uh, the uh, singles of the early seventies? You said they were pretty pants. Yes, uh, for, yes, for our for our non British listeners, pants is bad. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying, uh, to, tone, I'm trying to tone it down. A bit, like I think it's a bit, a bit harsh, to be fair. <laughs> just called yeah. Shite, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I, I talk about and you know, Bill Schnee, the um, the the esteemed producer Bill Schnee talks about uh, that the uh, mid '60s through to the early '80s being the uh, the the artistic peak of um, of uh, popular music. Um, and you know, one of the uh, the strongest uh, cultural offerings of the 20th century, and uh, I don't think anyone can really disagree with that. Uh, anyone with any brains, anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, the uh, yeah, the the thing that I noticed when uh when when I was revitalizing my vinyl collection was that if I looked at R and B and disco. Uh, it seemed it seemed to kind of follow the same trajectory. Uh, like in the mid seventies and, and late seventies, it really matured and became sophisticated. And then by the early eighties, like it, it started, uh, if you will, fall apart. You know, to fall apart. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I have my theories about why that is, and I, I, I like I, I write many Twitter threads about it, but uh, I won't um, I, I won't lumber. Um, the conversation here with uh, with all of that. I'll move on to my next selection. I'm going to get in quickly with this one because I want it. Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street. Damn, okay. that's right. No, I, I, that was on my reserve list because I knew you'd choose it. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Well, I, well, it's it's one of those songs that uh, I think was was pretty big uh, back in the day. It actually only got to number two in uh, in, in the US. Um, can't remember what kept oh oh my god it was something like uh andy gibb uh shadow dancing or something like a, a okay. song that's been you know completely forgotten and, and dropped off the radar um that's what kept it from number one and just goes to show the the ephemeral nature of uh of you know popularity and i've got to watch that that was a there was a scrape on my uh, microphone um Yeah, he uh, he actually dropped out of the limelight for uh, for, for three years because uh, he was in legal wranglings um, over the the breakup of Steeler's Wheel. So, uh, right the, band. the whole the whole album City to City kind of listens like uh, the dawn after a dark night of the soul, uh, and and there's just something very very haunting about Baker Street, which I think is why it uh, it has never really gone away as a song. 
I it's think a it's classic. That, um, it is a classic. That, um, I, I haven't put it in my list. That saxophone solo is the thing that sets it apart, isn't it? There's there's a few songs where you take something which is not the normal instrumentation and you put it front and centre, and that's one of them. It's like that George Michael thing, isn't it? Where again, where the sax drives the whole the whole song, and I just think it's different, and that's what and people remember. It. And it's such a good melody as well. And there's a story, I don't know, well, I don't want to interrupt you, Austin, whether you were going to relate this, but the saxophone player, there's a guy called Raphael Ravenscroft, I believe his name was, who right. decided uh, in his infinite wisdom not to take a cut of the royalties um, <laughs> for the thing, which Rafferty has probably, or had probably had about 80 grand a year on. Uh, he decided to take a one-off payment of £27 for yep. his contribution on the sax. And <laughs> reportedly, this check bounced. <laughs> <laughs> so his, his, his lawyer, I think, has, has a photo of it framed on his, on his wall. <laughs> but yeah, it made the song, didn't it? The sax solo. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick shout out to Tom Brian of Stereo Gum, who uh, uh, he, he's got a, a, an article series on uh, on number ones through um, through the years. And he actually uh, gave Baker Street a special treatment. Um, and it's a it's a really great article. I might uh, retweet it. Uh, yes, you do that. You do for that. those followers on Twitter. Yeah. OK, Pete. I was trying to see where it got into the UK, Baker Street. I don't think it was. A, no, it, was, no, it was, certainly no, wasn't number one. No, it was number. Maybe it was number four. Was number it three? Also? Number three. three it was, yeah, yeah it number was, three. It was, it was near the top, but it didn't get to number one. Anyway, over to you, sir. Okay. Well, so I'm. There is a band who I'm certain Austin has chosen one of the four singles that came out in 1978. So I'm going to go with the one I like best. And if it's the one you've chosen, tell me and I'll pick one of the others. Okay. So it's Steely Dan. And I'm going with FM. But it could have been any one of three others, all of which I love. We've talked about Steely Dan so many times when we've all the three of us have been on together. I mean, they, for me, they are, even when they have a bad day, they are faultless. It's just that they're absolutely perfect on the days when they're perfect. Um, and I mean, I love all their stuff, but I, I didn't realize that 78, they had such a rich vein of form. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was Asia, wasn't it? Was the, uh, was the album. Um, and, um, yeah, I could have picked any four, but, uh, FM, I just think is a, is a wonderful song. It just, ticks along beautifully. I mean, just everything they do is just perfect. And um, so any excuse to uh, pick Steely Dan, I'm going to pick Steely Dan. They had, uh, they had singles in April, August and May. So, um, you know, there was a lot of it about. So FM. Yeah, I must admit, I didn't go near Steely Dan, but yeah. I was just <laughs> sledging Steely Dan only yesterday. You were what? I was sledging them. Oh, were you? <laughs> <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> There's actually a really funny uh, little uh, YouTube clip of a, a couple of metalheads discovering Steely Dan. I'll, um, I'll, I'll pop that oh, in. Oh, I think I might have seen this. It, uh -huh. what, are the, what are the guys <laughs> called? FM, 
I can't remember, but that like one guy sits the other guy down and puts FM on and they're headbanging, like they're trying yeah, to work out. Right. Yeah, no, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, they're really funny. I follow I, I follow them on Twitter, on um, on uh, YouTube. I watch a lot of their stuff. They're hilarious. But uh, yeah, they're amazing. Okay. So it's me. So, right. Yes. Uh, I'm going to veer away then from the Punk and New Wave briefly. Um, single release in January 78. It was the second single from their seventh album. Uh, and the album was called Out of the Blue. I knew you were going to go for this. Yeah. <laughs> had to, really. And my choice, because they had, they had a number of great, great singles. They probably had over 18 released off of this album, actually. Uh, I'm going for Mr. Blue Sky. So I think there's a the most wonderful pop song, one of the one of the best ever, I think. Jeff Lina is a mighty best. It was a reasonable hit. Um, US top third, top forty. So I got number thirty-five. UK was number six, and Australia a bit of a disappointing number eighty-seven. Um, but it it was sort of their signature song, I guess. After a while, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Australians definitely regret not uh, not giving it the accolades that it immediately deserved. Yeah, it should. Yeah, it, it was sort of a Beatlesque arrangement. Was probably what appeals to me, obviously. But then again, a lot of Lynn stuff is a bit Beatly. Uh, he wrote. He was locked in a Swiss chalet, apparently, trying to come up with a, the follow up to the the uh, brilliant A New World Record album. Um, and it was dark and misty for two weeks, but then suddenly the sun came out and he saw like the, the beautiful scenery, the Alps, and he wrote Mr. Blue Sky and about 13 other songs in the next two weeks. Um, it, 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 the, the beatlesque arrangement is, it's a similar sort of sound arrangement to the Beatles in two cases, actually, I think Martha, my dear, and also a day in the life. Um, Whilst, as I'm reading this bit, uh, harmonically, it shares the uh, unusual first four chords and harmonic rhythm with yesterday. Ooh, you can't beat nice. a cowbell sound either as well, can you? Uh, no, you can't beat a bit of cowbell. Bit of Bev Bevan on a, on a, on a fire extinguisher, apparently. <laughs> uh, a, bit, a bit of a Penny Lane bell, uh, uh, sort of Sergeant Pepper panting like in day in the life uh and um yeah the, the the bit at the end the vocoder um there's a use of that in there as well of course which he probably wasn't the first i mean joe walsh was probably one of the first wasn't he too? joe walsh and peter frampton because no, different different effect that that's a talk box ah okay fair enough well maybe the vocoder when he's singing mr blue sky but a lot of people think at the very end in the last five or six seconds you've got jeff lynn singing or saying Mr. Blue Sky at the end. He's not. And it is confirmed that in that 2012, Jeff Lynn, what he's actually saying, if you listen to it, is please turn me over. Because it was actually the last track of side three of the Out of the Blue album. He wanted please turn over to side four. If you listen to it, I listen to it now. I think, oh, yeah, it's not Mr. Blue. Because I'm always singing Mr. Blue Sky at the end to that. It's not. Please turn me over. 
listen out for it. It's a miniature pop symphony, and it's a great song, Mr. Blue Sky, Electric Light Orchestra. That's my yep. next one. They had a real purple patch from uh, that, those three albums, Face the Music yeah. and a New World Record. Like, like once, uh, once Lynn knew that, uh, like the uh, the success of the band was secured, it just, you know, he just unleashed a torrent of creativity. Absolutely extraordinary! What a talent! Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Three classic, classic. On to you, then, Austin. Right. Uh, oh. I, you know what, like, I, I just love these songs so much. I don't even know what to choose next. Um, yeah. I'm going with What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. Doobies. Now, this was the, uh, this was the new Doobie Brothers, not, uh, not the, the real Doobie Brothers. Uh, I'm sure the purists would, uh, would agree with me that, uh, that Tom Johnston is the, uh, is the real spiritual figurehead. Uh, but uh, they just uh, they partied too hard, and he ended up in hospital and had to retire from touring. And uh, I shouldn't laugh, um, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> so anyway, Michael McDonald came on, and and they'd kind of done some stuff that I think was probably regarded as experimental, and I'm sure everyone was wondering uh, what you know what the hell had happened to the Doobie Brothers. Um, and then they came out with uh, with the Minute by Minute album, which has got some absolute bangers. Not uh, really much like the early Doobie Brothers at all. It was is it was its own thing. Um, but oh, wow, it's um, yeah. I, I, and what a full believes like I've I've come across people who've gone, you know, this this song completely misses me, and I just don't understand that at all. Um, I, I think it's uh, great insight into uh like human nature uh lyrically and uh, and musically uh there is there's just so much going on uh and it's recorded impeccably by a uh like a, a you know a crack band there's two drummers okay you, doobie brothers you, you've got drummer in the the left and the right speakers that you know two distinct players um yeah. And it wasn't an easy song for them to nail. Like they had to, they had to stitch together a number of takes to to get the um, uh, get the, the tune that you, you know, hear today. Uh, but it's really awkward rhythmically as well, isn't it? It's it, it it's it is quite a complex song. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I think it's, like the- I think it's absolutely brilliant, and I do not get people. I, it's I, I, sorry, I, I get the whole thing about the doobies became not the doobies, because that's the same argument as yes becoming not yes in the 80s and Genesis becoming not Genesis. Bands that have that, you know, they make they make a change. But does that invalidate it? No, I don't think it does. And Michael McDonald has got one of the great voices. It's totally different from the previous sound, but I don't think that invalidates it at all. I got in a massive long Twitter argument about this a few weeks ago with people uh, on, the, on this exact subject. I think it's a brilliant song, great Did song. Did you block them? No, I didn't, because most of them are my friends. They just happen to disagree with me on the subject of latter-day Doobie Brothers. They are wrong. Moving on. <laughs> and, and moving on, over to you, Pete. Yeah, on. <laughs> well, now, I'm going down the pure, completely, unashamedly pop route on this one. And this is one of those songs which... I used to get up in the morning and drag myself. I, I, this this actually did happen when I, in my last year at uni, 
we were we lived about 20 minute walk from the sports center so me and my lunatic housemate decided it would be a really good idea to get up every morning and play squash so whereas most students were dust in bed until stupid o'clock we used to set the alarm get up at half past five and be at the corpse at six o'clock for the first thing and in that half hour in the morning inevitably the song that was playing in um, the May-June period of 1978 was Love Is In The Air by John Paul Young. And it's a great song and it is such a memory of that three or four month period of life. It was on the radio all the time. There was, a, I think there was a Paul McCartney song around about the same time, which I seem to remember, or it might have been, was it Andrew Gold? He had, um, I think I had that on my, I think I might have had that on my list. Yeah, Never Let It Slip Away. That was that was in and around at the same time. So it was that whole kind of set of songs, which is Silly Love Songs by McCartney. I think that, was that around the same time? Or was that seven? Um, oh, anyway. uh, that's a bit earlier. Was it? Yeah. say, with a little luck, seven, maybe? Yeah. Or was it a little, okay. But I, I remember there being this kind of, set of, of songs which were kind of upbeat kind of the sort of thing you want to listen to while you're stumbling around your house at half past five in the morning thinking you're mad because you're going to play squash when you should be in bed and I just and it, it's a very very powerful memory of that but it's just a damn good song so unapologetically I chose a pop song Love Is In The Air and the Australian um, link of course Austin John Paul Young Yep, uh, uh, pretty sure that's uh, produced by Vander and Young as well, part of the, uh, the Alberts, Alberts production stables. And they wrote the song as well. Yeah. yeah. When you said pop right. there, Pete, I mean, I don't love in the air. I wouldn't have said it's outright pop. I thought you were going to say like it Rivers of Babylon. But oh, for heaven's sake, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no. So that no. makes a note, that's not on Pete's <laughs> no, list. No. No. Boney M, not on Pete's list. Right, okay. John Paul, I'm going back New Wave, and uh, one of the best bands to come out of it all with a jam for me. And he's got this, he's crossing out the list. He knows that I'm going to say <laughs> this particular song. Again, I don't know whether the jam made it down uh, down under in, in big chunks today, Austin? Not in a big way, no. Uh, it was just, uh, more well as later stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going for they, they had a bunch of hit singles, 77 and 78, and um, they they were standalone singles. A lot of them, things like News of the World, All Around the World, The Modern World, and other songs that didn't have the world world in the title. Uh, before this was probably uh, a couple of singles before they they hit it big with the Eaton Rifles and, and the like. The following year. I'm going for Down in the Tube Station at Midnight. Which is on my list. Which not is, five, uh, I think, list. an absolute Stonewall classic single. It was released on uh, 13th of October 1978. It was the second single from their uh, third album, All Mod Cons. And uh, it made number 15, as did a lot of the jam singles, actually, around the 15-16 mark. I didn't just did, couldn't get above that until... Eaton Rifles and the Going Undergrounds that, that started coming uh, and yeah. getting top threes and, top, and number ones, of course, uh, eventually in 1980. The Tube uh, the tube Train recorded at the start and the end of the song uh, was recorded was recorded at St. John's Wood Station, which is the station, Pete, for? 
it's um, it's the station we talked about last time, and I've forgotten because I have a head like. Yes, yeah, it's the station uh, serving Abbey Road Studios. Ah, uh, yes, it is. Says I had to get a Beetle a Beetle link in there, don't I? Uh, the picture on the sleeve was actually Bond Street Tube, which is on the central line. Um, well, I didn't want it on the album at, at first, saying you didn't think the arrangement had got had got sufficiently well developed, but the producer decided, yeah, no, this got it. It's got to go on. This is a bit of a classic. It's about if you're not familiar with the song Austin or anybody else that's uh, watching or listening, it's about an unnamed uh, guy who is travelling on his own on uh, the London Underground. Funny enough, at the middle of uh, the middle of the night, uh, midnight, uh, and he got the last to get the last train home. But then he's attacked by a gang of youths who, inverted commas, smell like pubs, wormwood scrubs, and too many right wing meetings. As he buys a ticket, um, the lyrics contrast um, the warmth and home, and uh, the, the warmth, sorry, of home and domestic life with the dangers of 70s London's urban decay and general casual late-night violence, basically, especially on the tube. Um, the, the, it's, a, it's a great song. Uh, very, very, it's sort of sad. He, he's going back home and he's obviously, he, he's got his takeaway curry and he's got his wine, taking it back to his wife. And, you know, he finished up saying the wine will be flat and the curry's gone cold. They took the keys and, and she'll think it's me and, and stuff like that. It, it's a good song. No doubt you can add it onto your playlist when you do it, uh, Austin, if you're going to do one. I certainly am and I certainly will. Anyway, Down in the Tube Station at Midnight by The Jam is my next song. So we'll carry on. And if you've got your fourth one. Yes. If Pete's not back again, I'll do my fourth. Uh, so, uh, since Pete raised a, uh, a Vander and Young production, uh, I figured I'd, uh, shuffle this one up, uh, next in the order, uh, which is Vander and Young's uh, artistic project, uh, commercial project, uh, if you will, um, Flash and the Pan being Ooh. very clever, uh, with their, uh, with their, uh, project name there, Flash and the Pan and, uh, their second, I think the second single they ever released under that name, uh, Down Among the Dead Men. Down and Among the Dead Men. Down I'm among unfamiliar the dead with this one. I think you'll enjoy this one, Colin. Um, it's, uh, it's got quite a, quite a lot of musical inventiveness in it. Um, uh, the, wow, uh, there's kind of some synth lines and um, uh, various kind of uh, uh, orchestral instruments that you wouldn't normally hear in a uh, um, in, in a rock song, um, and uh, they don't really sing. It's kind of uh, it's kind of spoken word. I wouldn't call it rap. Um, I wouldn't insult them like that. Um, but uh, it's kind of narrating the. Uh, it's sort of narrating the, the the tale of the sinking of the Titanic, and they did this wonderfully goofy promotional video, which uh, which is well worth watching. Um, it's, uh, it's this, so the, the second, second single, I think they, they had a first single a couple of years previously, uh, which maybe was their, their first foray into the, um, into the exercise with Hey St. Peter. And then 1978 was when they released their debut album. That was the, uh, that was pretty much the lead single to, to promote the album. 
Okay, cool. I never really, the only thing I know by Flash in the Pan wasn't for another probably four or five years, which was uh, waiting for the train. Mm-hmm. No, okay. waiting for a train, I think it was. Well, th- those two songs, Hey St. Peter and Down Among the Dead Men, were, uh, were FM radio staples down here in Oz. Uh, yeah, most of the, you know, uh, boomers and Gen Xers and, and people who, you know, would have been exposed to radio in the uh, the late seventies and eighties uh, would be well familiar with both tracks. Okay, oh, I look forward to hearing it. I look forward to hearing it. Pete, now you're back. You I might am. as well say some. <laughs> For some reason, um, Zoom just decided to freeze. It just did the whole "I'm not going to play any more" thing. So uh, anyway, there That's we go. The heat. That's it was the a problem. Um, right. So again, I'm going for another band who had three hit singles this year, January, July, and November. I'm pretty sure that no one else is going to have chosen them. Uh, so I'm just going to go with one of the three. And this is September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Good song. Nice choice. Well, and they had also Fantasy and Gotta Get You Into My Life, which are also great songs. Now, a, a, a confession time here. I, I hated, at the time, because obviously... I was into rock music. I hated myself for liking Earth, Wind & Fire. But they were one of those bands which um, didn't matter. Whenever any of their singles came on, you just kind of felt this compulsion to do whatever passed for dancing, which in my case is really, really, really crap. In fact, embarrassingly bad. Um, Vaguely alcoholic dancing, Pete. Well, vaguely alcoholic when being thrown out of nightclubs. We've been down that route before, so no need to do that route again. Um, But... um, but long and boring story. Two of the girls I was at uni with decided that it would be a really good idea that we went and saw Earth, Wind and Fire live. So much against my better nature, I said, no, all right. Um, and this was, it must have been 79, early 79. So it must have been the tour after, you know, when they were touring all of this stuff. And I went and saw them at the Empire Pool in Wembley. And they were absolutely brilliant. They were, They did all the pyro and all the kind of they, they have this big pyramid on the stage and all the band went into the pyramid and it went up in the air and exploded and then they all walked out wearing space suits i mean it was absolutely mental but um but they were terrific and i, I mean i don't know how many people there were in the band it was like a football stadium on that stage um on cup final day well it was i mean if you've never seen so many people and heaven knows what they were playing but they were blooming fantastic um, and yeah, I mean, all of those singles, and I do own on vinyl Earth Wind and Fire's greatest hits. So I have not, I don't, it doesn't get played very often, maybe about once every 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I couldn't let 1978 go by without choosing one of them. So September. Excellent. I think oh, I everybody's that got that actually. album. Yeah, oh, like that, that album is in like everyone's vinyl collection. And, and I feel less bad about that. And, and fair enough, like it, it's, I mean, what a great set of songs and what an extraordinary band. Um, amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Philip Bailey with that, yeah, uh, yeah. that high kind of male falsetto, you're like, <laughs> what a range. And uh, yeah. it was the, um, the, was it Morris? Who was the, the leader of the band? Morris, Morris White. White. Yeah, that's right. And, and he was into Egyptology, wasn't he? Hence the pyramids and all the nonsense. I mean, it's great visually. It was brilliant. Great fun. Anyway, there we go. I, I did say I was going to go left and right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's no, no, I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a, it's a good song, September. Uh, for their for their genre, definitely, they're one of the best, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Right, I'm going. Since you sort of mentioned it earlier on, I'm going for it now anyway. Even though I hate to correct your um, the title very uh, a small amount, never let her slip away. Not never let it slip away. Fine. And it's Andrew Gold. Oh, great. Okay. Great. Uh, June 78 from his All This and Heaven 2 album, his third. Uh, it was the fourth single from it. They had a couple of singles before, uh, a couple of well-known singles. How um, how can this be love and lovely thank you for being a friend? Oh, isn't Lovely Boy was... him as well? Sorry? Isn't Lovely Boy him as well? Lonely Boy. Yeah, you're deliberately getting these song titles. I, well, listen, I, it's not my genre, man. I'm just, I vaguely remember the tunes. <laughs> yeah, yes, that, that's a great boy. song too, Lonely Boy. Yes, yeah. uh, in fact, uh, Never Let Her Slip Away got to number five in the UK and is actually his biggest charting hit single in the United Kingdom. Uh, higher than Lonely Boy, actually. Or Lovely Boy, if you prefer that. I do. Lovely Boy, Lovely Boy. Wasn't that, you know, I thought, Mum? That, was, that, <laughs> that will mean nothing. That will mean nothing to our American <laughs> viewers, else, viewers. But it will to the um, <laughs> Yeah, not a massive hit in the States, 67, Australia only 55, but it was a, it was a great song, great pop song, very melodic. Uh, one of the reasons you might not like it, Pete, is that Freddie Mercury provided harmony vocals on the song, though uncredited. Well, in that case, I, I, I do like the you song. You probably won't even listen to it. I like you? the song. It was on my reserve list. But if I'd known Freddie Mercury was on it, I obviously would have crossed it well, off. Other, other backing vocalists were J.D. Souther and Timothy B. Schmidt. Ah. So the Southern Hill and Fury Band and the Eagles. Or, sorry, yes. Eagles. Yes. That's not And that's my next one. Never Let Her Slip Away, Andrew Gold. So back down under. How are we doing for time? 45 minutes or so. So yeah, we're about we're, 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 <laughs> yeah. Press on. We're going we're, we're to struggle to keep this down. Um, yeah, love Andrew Gold. Um, was familiar with his work for years and years um, uh, on the Maria Moldor album and uh, obviously discovering recently that uh, he was the main architect of uh, Linda Ronstadt's Linda Ronstadt, uh, yeah. version of um, You're No Good. So, yeah. Talent, super talent. Uh, okay, so uh, let's rock it up a bit more. Um, this this song is a recent discovery for me. I was never exposed to it, um, certainly uh, around the time uh, released. I think it really came to my attention uh, after uh, after I got a, a compilation album that had uh, a couple of other songs that I was after. I went, oh, sticks, yeah. Yeah, I never really, never really found out what uh, what these guys were about, and the song's "Renegade." Uh, and mm. I heard this song, and just said, "Oh my god, how like how did I miss this?" But uh, I think they were probably uh, mainly uh, an American uh, enthusiasm. Um, I, I don't think that they got like a couple of the songs that the maybe more ballad type songs uh, made in Australia, but I don't think they were ever a, a big concern here. I'm pretty sure they. Uh, um, didn't tour here very much, if ever. Um, but it, it just really packs a punch. I mean, you'll, you'll hear it and, and work it out for yourself. There's great harmonies. It's like, it's just really my, my favorite combination of sophistication and aggression in, in one song. Just uh, I think yeah, so. Sticks um, are a really interesting band. Love it. I think you can put them in a bucket with Cheap Trick 
and Toto and bands. They're, they're classic FM rock bands, mega in America and kind of do stuff other places, but just classic late 70s FM rock. Journey is another one. Yeah, Journey. Yeah, absolutely. Journey, Toto, but they're all of a much this. They're super professional, super polished. That real mixture, as Austin said, of um, of, of, of crunch and, and a melody, I, you know, that I, I, I think they're all very similar. I'm not saying they sound the same, but they, they come out in the same stable, I think. Okay. So Sticks or Renegade, yeah? Indeed. Okay. Pete? Yeah. Well, this is um, – I'm, I'm now going right down the line in my normal thing, and I'm going uh, – I'm going prog. And I'm going with uh, May of that year from the album Song for All Seasons, and it is Northern Lights by Renaissance. Which <laughs> I was going to say, is it going to be Renaissance? And, hmm. well, there we go. You, uh, you, you, you know me well. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's not any way, shape or form my favourite Renaissance track because basically everything they ever did is my favourite Renaissance track, uh, but um, but it's uh, it's their only single, or sorry, it's their only hit single, um, and therefore if there is an opportunity to have one of the titans of prog in, um, in uh, a singles thing, I'm going to have it, and uh, I make no apologies for that. And Annie Haslam is one of the great voices, and um, John Camp is one of the great bass players, and they are one of the great bands. So there we go. That's it. That's all there is to say. Short and sweet then, Pete. Short and sweet, just like Annie Haslam. Anyway, good. Right, okay. Uh, I'm going back to my tradition, although. Um, I'm going for another band that were superb around that time. A lot of these new wave bands starting up or just before and just developing a little bit. Uh, started in Manchester in uh, 77, very late 76, probably, uh, and into 77. And they are the Buzzcocks. Okay. Now, they had an, they had five singles in 1978, uh, which is an amazing feat. Uh, three of them were standalone signals, had a, singles. They had a couple um, that were on albums. I Don't Mind was taken from their first album, Another Music in a Different Kitchen. And the... Obvious choice, which I haven't gone for, actually, and is their biggest hit, was, of course, Ever Fallen in Love with Someone You Shouldn't Have, which was from their Love Bites album. They had another three singles that year, Love You More, which was great, um, Promises. Uh, there were a couple of singles called Promises released that year. One of them was by the Buscocks. And uh, what was the other one? I can't remember. The other one's probably the one I'm going to go for. The one I'm going for is called What Do I Get? which is their first United Artists hit, well, their first hit single in the UK. It was their second UA uh, single, and it got to only number 37 in the UK, but that's a start. It was the second single without the one of the original founder members of the Buzzcocks, which is Howard DeVoto, who, with Pete Shelley uh, and the the, other, the rest of the band, produced uh, the, the, on New Hormones label, the Spiral Scratch EP, which is legendary in punk circles. Um, but he left soon after leaving Pete Shelley in charge. And Pete Shelley's a great songwriter himself, a pop, a punk pop love song masterpiece, all the songs that he does. I mean, the lyrics on this one are just, you know, I'd, 
I just want a lover like any other. What do I get? I only want a friend who'll stay to the end. What do I get? I only get sleepless nights alone here in my half-empty bed. For you, things seem to turn out right. I wish that only happened to me instead. What do I get? No love. What do I get? No sleep at night. What do I get? Nothing that's nice. What do I get? Nothing at all. And it's called What Do I Get? And it's by the Buscox. You will both hear it if it's on the playlist. Strangely, they were one of the very few bands that didn't play at Reading that year. <laughs> Pretty well everybody else I saw. Surprising. I saw them live at the Rainbow, I think it was, in Finchley Park in London. But a lot of the punk bands played the Rainbow, didn't in they? In 78, 79 time. But uh, yeah, Ever Fall in Love was their, was their big hit. Yeah. That if, you hit if you say Buzzcocks, you, that's the song that people will, will talk about. Who did How Devoto join? after well how devoto formed magazine oh magazine uh, I, I couldn't remember the name yet it's magazine yeah yeah and, yeah. and that yeah, had they, a classic there's a classic single that they had as well that i could yeah. well have incorporated yeah magazine were brilliant right so uh austin down to you again yeah how's uh, how's my connection uh are you getting my audio all right yeah yes audio's fine sometimes i'm just seeing a little bit of break sometimes the camera freezes like mine did but not fatally no i, I can okay. hear you fine Great. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, my next selection. Um, Sorry, what did you say, Austin? <laughs> so, so many. My, <laughs> so many good songs still. Uh, uh, so this is, this is a cover version. I'm not even sure what the original uh, is. Um, I, I should do more research for these shows, shouldn't I? I'll look it uh, up. Okay. So look up New York Groove. Oh, and that, was course, by, that was by Hello. In 1975, I think it was. It was. Um, oh, you've got the Kiss version, haven't you? It was a Russ Ballard song from um, yes, Argent. Argent. Was it using yeah. Argent? Wasn't that's, it? Yeah, Russ Russ that's, that's right. Yeah. He, and uh, yeah. The one you're talking about is Ace Freely. Freely, Freely is it? Yeah. Free. Yeah, Ace Freely and. It was uh, it was the big single off uh, of his solo album. Uh, technically, it's branded as a uh, as a Kiss album, um, but uh, the uh, the other members didn't have any involvement uh, in the production of it. I am uh, fairly certain, although some Kiss diehard will correct me on that. Maybe uh, Anton Fig on drums and um, and the uh, the the best of of all of the solo albums um, by a mile. Um, very, very hard to find decent copies on the second hand market now. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, and Ace was not, a, he was the weakest singer in the band and he, uh, he really chose this song impeccably because it, uh, it's right within his range, uh, and he's able to deliver it with that, uh, with that kind of gritty attitude uh, that uh, that uh, oh, I'm back. really was his uh, his specialty. Back in the New York group. yeah, yeah. It's a in the story. in the back of my Cadillac, yeah. a wicked lady sitting <laughs> by my side saying, "Where are we?" Yeah, but it's 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 almost kind of um, I love it. It's a it's a it's a real pop rock song, isn't it? But it it's it that almost verges onto the edge of disco slash dance. It's kind of a bit sleazy and a bit. You know, almost Studio Fifty Four, isn't it? Which I guess is where the New York bit comes. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good song. It's a good Kiss song. did go yeah. a bit disco around that time, did they? Yeah. Was it around that yeah, time? They did, um, what was yeah. their 
Uh, I, was, I was made for loving you, was that? Yeah, right? I was made was for that? loving you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Was that a disco one? I can't uh, that remember. was, yeah, the following year. So I think it, yeah. it, it really proves uh, Ace Frehley's kind of uh, like street smarts, his instincts. He had, he had great instincts. Um, as a as a musician and an artist, uh, produced by Eddie Kramer too, so he surrounded himself with uh, with the right people. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, yeah, I like the Hello version in '75, but uh, yeah, I'm sure the Ace version isn't that different. Actually, I don't think. Have you you haven't heard the Hello version? I'll take it, have you? No, I have no. to. Uh, I have to queue no, that up. I yeah, don't. check it out. Yeah, it's real. it'll be on YouTube. Anyway, Pete, from New York Groove to... Loughborough. This is from the sublime to the ridiculous, because I'm now going way out the other side of left field. All right. I am going with uh, the single off what is by far the biggest selling album by this particular band. Um, five members made up of, well, including three of the greatest ever, Joe Zavinal, Wayne Shorter and Jaco Pastorius. It is Weather Report and the single is Birdland, which is just brilliant. And it's another one of those songs which absolutely, when it comes on, you're there straight away. You kind of want to dance around the kitchen. It's just, I mean, I love Weather Report. I've got pretty well everything they ever did in the 70s. Um and um, is it their finest hour? Probably, yeah, Heavy Weather or Black Market is. Um, but uh, it's certainly their, uh, their standout, well, their single, you know, the one everybody knows them for. Um, I couldn't let, uh, couldn't let 1976 go without having that. And, I, I mean, I am a massive, I mean, ask any bass guitarist who the best bass guitarist in the world is, and they'll say Jacko Pastorius. Um, so, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're absolutely fantastic as a band. So, um, yeah. Birdland. It was either him or Sid Vicious, I suppose, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It's always a debate between Jacko Pastorius and Sid Vicious. Jacko yeah. usually wins, but usually. occasionally it's Sid. Okay, <laughs> I, I, li- I like to refer to Sid Vicious as a bass guitar owner. <laughs> yes, I yes. think you're probably right. Oh, now, listen, completely off piste, very quickly. I want you to think about this before we'll come back to it at the end. Okay, there was a, a there was a debate today, which I, which Wyatt was having on Planet Rock. Okay, so the Stones played at Hyde Park a couple of weeks ago. Um, They've basically got a singer and a guitarist, and the Beatles don't have a singer or a guitarist. So the ultimate supergroup, Macca, Ringo, Mick and Keith. What do you reckon? We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Moving on. (laughs) I can't imagine any of the four Beatles. Out of the Beatles, to be perfect. Just, I hadn't thought about it, and I just thought, well, that's weird. Anyway, moving on. Moving on, indeed. We're moving on. This might be a one, might be one that um, that Austin has. Um, I'm going for a single release in October '78, and it was the first single from his sixth album. It was the follow-up to uh, his probable breakthrough album, which was The Stranger. Oh, Billy Joel. And the album is 52nd Street. And the single I've gone for, I could have gone for Just The Way You Are, which was released in 78, actually, from The Stranger, but I didn't. I've gone for My Life, which was uh, a big hit. It was a US number three, it was a UK number 12, and Australia number six. So the UK lost out on that one. 
Uh, a couple of Chicago members were uh, singing on it too, on backing vocals. Peter Satira being one of them. And Donnie, can't read my writing, is it Dacus? Daku? I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, during the bridge and the outro. Uh, Billboard call it, and I think they're quite accurate, unusually so, an infectious up-tempo tune guaranteeing a good mood for the listener. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, we're all familiar of, with my life by Billy Joel. Massive fan of uh, 70s Billy Joel. Um, uh, say no more, really. Uh, and, uh, and, and, yeah, basically his, uh, yeah, the 52nd Street was his victory lap. Uh, like, he'd, he'd, he'd nailed it with The Stranger, uh, like, just um, pretty much his definitive artistic statement, in my opinion. And, um, and, and I think he knew it. And 52nd Street basically just kind of served up more of the same with maybe a little more self-assurance uh, and uh, it, it scooped it at the Grammys. Um, and uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah gr- some great, great stuff there. Uh, my, my personal favorite off the album is Zanzibar. I think, that's, oh, right. okay. and I think that's one of his, his favorites as well. Uh, and, and dare I say it, uh, it, uh, it borrows heavily, heavily from Steely Dan. Um, I think, uh, I think, it's probably what, the album no no that that track in particular zanzibar zanzibar uh, okay yeah isn't that where, to think um, what else is on that, that honestly was on mentioned um freddie mercury hails from isn't he a zanzibarian could be i think he is Ooh. anything to not like a song pete i mean no listen <laughs> no I, okay That's, you've converted me to billy joel I, I, I've listened to Billy Joel now through New Year's and I've realised that my prejudices against him were unfounded. So there we go. It just shows you, you shouldn't be prejudiced against someone without actually hearing the music. No, or sometimes you can be prejudiced because you have heard the music and it's crap like Queen. Hey. But anyway, moving on. Cut it out, you two. Austin, Austin, <laughs> over to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> What have you got down under? Uh, it, all right. Uh, over to me. Um, all right. Well, I'm going over to you, over your side of the pond. Um, Finn Lizzie had, uh, had a live album out that year. Um, and we really didn't get much Thin Lizzie down under, I don't think. My only awareness of them probably up to that point would have been The Boys Are Back in Town. and uh, And this would have been... Uh, the, uh, the the next thing that uh, that that kind of came out, and I had any kind of awareness of in the um, uh, in the landscape, uh, the uh, the live version of Rosalie. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. So uh, there's, there's a seven inch version. song. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, so it's 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 a Bob Seger song with a with with a little bit of a, a Thin Lizzy tune kind of inserted uh, as a bridge. And uh, I've I've heard I've heard the Bob Seger version, and I've heard uh, the uh, the studio version uh, of the uh, Thin Lizzy cover, uh, and and this live version just uh, it is it, it's such a like just oh, the guitars are just some like they're they're heavy, but not but not in this like there's just something about the way that that it's played it uh, it's. Um, it just sends me speechless. Uh, it's such great energy in that song. It's um, it's uplifting. 
obviously the crowd is having a great time. And I'll say one other thing is that uh, I've been listening to this song for the last like 20 odd years on the, basically on the CD version, the digital version. And it's not at all how the original single goes. So there's this uh, this little kind of chit chat from Phil to the crowd. You know, this is a number that we're going to try and get you moving on, whatever. And and that's not actually on the original single because I got the original single. And mm. it's one of those things where our our digital age uh, kind of uh, lies to us and deceives us all the time because we don't actually necessarily get um, the representation of what. Uh, what was originally like popular or successful or famous, we like we get what was what was converted into uh, into you know bits and bytes and not always the same thing. So uh, so the uh, yeah the, the the CD lies and you have to you have to go back to the the vinyl to uh, to, to actually find out what uh, what made it. And many such cases, there are many such cases. Let's hear it for analog. I think uh, Thin Lizzy get get get, get mentioned in a number of our podcasts. It's strange. It doesn't matter what the section is, whether it be seventy six singles. I think you might have had or seventy six albums. Was it Jailbreak? I think you had Austin. Um, live albums. Live albums. Yeah, live and dangerous. Bands, album, that, in fact. bands that didn't have as big a career as they should have had. Bands that well, maybe weren't as big as they should have been. Perhaps I think that was with Wyatt, wasn't it? A yeah, few weeks. I think Wyatt chose them. And of course, the other one was the overrated ones, which, which I me. believe you might have, <laughs> you might have put them in that beat. <laughs> I did throw them in, yes. But as good as they are, but you know, maybe they just didn't because because they weren't as big as we thought they were going to be. Maybe they do sort of people sort of blow them up and make out that they're a lot better than they actually are. But I don't know. I like a bit of Thin Lizzy, I must say. I, I do too. And Rosalie Cowgirl's song, yeah, good song. Um, and mate, and the first live song that we've had on the uh, show tonight. Pete, go on, follow that. Right. Well, no, I'm not going to follow that in any way, shape, or form in the same way because I am going slap bang down the disco route. So, um, for again. me, again, yeah, because this is 1978, and this is was a, a significant year for me personally. And um, I am choosing one of, it could be virtually an entire double album, um, oh. pretty well all of which were released as singles. Um, and I am going with Night Fever oh, by the Bee Gees off Saturday Night Fever. And I don't care if people think that you, that you shouldn't like Saturday Night Fever. I think it's one of the all-time great movies. I think it was very culturally significant at the time. Everybody thought it was a dance film. It isn't. It's gritty. It's tough. It's a hard watch. Um, and I know they did a cleaned up version, didn't they, so that kids could go and watch it and do the disco bit. But it wasn't about dancing. It was about being poor and Italian in New York. Um, and I just, I, I saw it the day it, was, the day it came out on general release, the film, which was in March 78. And I remember queuing around the block to get in um, at the, Odeon in Hull um, and then I bought the soundtrack album as soon as it came out and, and again there's so many standout tracks on that Don't like the Bee Gees Dis I think Disco Inferno by Tramps that was a massive hit this year as well I didn't choose it but um, 
the Evil Elliman song, was it? Um, if, if I Can't Have You. I Can't Have You. I Can't Have You. Yeah, that's right. And then that version of Night on Bear Mountain by Mazul, um, whichever of the Russian. I mean, it, it's just packed with bloody brilliant dance music. And um, I don't care if everybody laughs because I chose it because it's brilliant. And Night Fever is one of those things. That opening sequence where he's walking down the street with his can of paint, that is up there with the best opening sequences in cinema history. Um, and you can't do 1978 without having something off Saturday Night Fever. So I'm going with Night Fever. So or something by the Bee Gees, actually, probably. Indeed, yes. Yeah, I was more I'm more of a Grease fan, actually, than I was uh, Saturday Night Fever. It was much more lightweight. Well, Grease um, was just a was just a bit of bubblegum pop. It was but, it, it was, was hilariously um, sarcastic and yeah. I, I just took the piss the whole through. The, but course, nearly all of my favourite nearly all of my favourite films are dark and grim and usually got banned by the censors at some point. Um, so just like you then, Pete. Just like me, yeah. No, um, so I, I like I like the music of Night Fever, but I, of Saturday Night Fever, but I love the film. I think it's brilliant. Okay, Night Fever by the BGS. All right, I'm going to be short and sweet here. Um, I'm going back to my roots, as they were. Uh, new Wave from Northern Ireland, in in the same way as maybe she loves you in the early sixties, sixty three, in fact, to be precise. This had the same effect in 1978, probably two minutes, 21 seconds or whatever it is, of the most electric pop songs ever. It's brilliant for me. Superb. From Northern Ireland, as I said, originally released on the Good Vibrations independent label, Good Vibrations label, um, as an EP, actually. And um, it was a John Peel was a big fan of the song, the DJ. The, the brilliant DJ, long lost, well, he's been departed now for a few years, but he did uh, root for this band. In fact, he played it consecutively a couple of times, I think, which is very unusual on the radio. And they were the undertones. I, I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. The brilliant. Um, yeah. They, they signed um, to, in fact, John Peel wanted some of its lyrics on his tombstone, actually. And I'm sure they are on his tombstone. They eventually signed to Sire Records. Uh, it was released um, in, when was it originally released? It was originally released in June, but it didn't get anywhere. Uh, when it signed, when they signed to Sire, it was re- re-released in October, and it made number 31, and it's it's a classic. It's a classic song of its genre. It's a classic. wasn't included on their debut. Are you going to tell Austin what the name of the song is? It's called because Teenage said- Kicks. Teenage Kicks. I'm glad yeah. that was the short version, Colin. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll shut up now then. Yeah, Teenage Kicks. I, I believe One Direction covered it recently, didn't they? But, you know, what, the least said about it, the better. What, who's, who's the singer? Of The Undertones? Yeah. Thurgill Sharkey. Thurgill Sharkey. I, I follow him on Twitter. He is absolutely hilarious. I just couldn't remember his name. He's yeah, Thurgill pretty- Sharkey. Yeah, really. Anyway, really very, funny. A, a unique voice he had. He had oh, yeah, voice. absolutely. Oh, they were a great band, the undertones. All right. All right. Well, I bet. I, Back to I, you. I, I, better, I better switch it up again then. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's how we're rolling tonight. Um, yeah. So from, from punk to yacht rock. 
Yacht Rock. Is it Rod Stewart sailing? That's the wrong year, wasn't it? (laughs) There's so many on this list that could be Yacht Rock. Go on. What are you going with? Toto's breakout debut single, I think. Hold the line. Hold the line. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that on my reserve list. Yeah, what 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 a way to start a career! Just throwing down the gauntlet. Boom! Yeah, <laughs> yeah fantastic. Yeah, great guitar solo, scorching guitar solo by Steve Lukather. Um, uh, yeah, uh, very very uh, like snappy songcraft and you know great great singing as well. Um, Bobby Bobby Kimball uh, really showing his stuff in those uh, those melismas uh, of the the lines. Near the end, it's not in the way you say you're mine. Ooh, <laughs> fantastic! Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, didn't they start? Weren't they all session musicians and decided one day to form a band? Isn't that the backstory? Pretty, pretty much like they, they were the uh, the, the, the core of the band. Um, uh, was the what was the the, the session lineup for Boskag Silk Degrees. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right, yeah, because yeah. Silk Degrees is a blooming brilliant album. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I thought they, I thought yeah, I thought that was the the background. But I mean, yeah, what a way to start. I mean, hold the line and then follow it up with Africa, which literally everybody in the world knows. I mean, you, you're kind of putting a marker in the ground there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. Anything since though? Huh? Anything oh, they, since? Like they. Uh, th- those are yeah. definitely uh, and Rosanna, obviously. Yeah, Rosanna, Rosanna of course. Yeah, yeah. Hold the line, Rosanna, Africa, yeah, yeah. And, and they had a, they had a string other. of yeah they, they had a string of uh, uh, other uh, like minor hits as well. Those are the big three, but uh, there's like Pamela the, um, and ninety nine, and yeah, there, there's a bunch. And then Georgie Porgy, that was another one, wasn't it? Was um, yeah. kind of a mm-hmm. it was a skit on um, uh, Porgy and Bess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the clever, clever band. See, I'd maybe bracket them in with the other bands that you mentioned earlier, like, like the Journeys and the. Well, I, I did. I said that they. You did I, mention. I put, yeah, I put them in with uh, I put okay. sticks and yeah. cheap trick and Journey and all that lot. All yeah. Right. Well, you're now you're rock. talking. Get on to your next one. Okay. <laughs> so, this is a band I really don't like, and all Queen? of their other. No, all of their other songs, I just go really, and it, it get they get played on Planet Rock all the time, and I, I just want to smash my face against the wall. But the, again, this song is one of those ones which, because of when it was, and because it was the theme to driving across the M62 from Hull to gigs, and from you know the riverboat shuffle and all the stuff we did in our last year at uni, and all the out outrageous partying and all the rest of it that we did. Um, and this was just the theme to it. And it is, you took the words right out of my mouth, my meatloaf. Now, you know, it just, that whole, you took the words right out of my mouth, all the clapping, it must have been while you were kissing me. I mean, ludicrously over the top, stupid lyrics, bombastic, just, but it's just a really, really good pop rock song. And, um, Bad Out of Hell, I can't stand. I think they're massively overhyped. I don't own any of their stuff at all, but this song will forever have a place in my musical and life slash cultural history. 
So when I looked at all of the choices, and I mean, I literally had 100 on my list and I pared it down to 50 and then just picked 10. Um, but I, I couldn't I couldn't leave it out just because it's got so many associations with that time. So meatloaf, much against my better judgment. Well, I love the, the spoken word intro. It's just so, yeah, camp, tongue-in-cheek. It's uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally over the top. And they used to play that on the radio. But that's not actually on the single either. So if you if you went out and got the single from the, the shop, you didn't get your all you got was the actual song. Right. Okay. No. Okay. Meatloaf took the words right out of my mouth. I found another reason why you might have liked September by Earth, Wind and Fire because they mentioned Barbie's uh, dog's birthday, which Hello. is the twenty first night of September. <laughs> Clearly, one of the reasons that you love it, I'm sure. <laughs> With me being a big dog fan and all. Absolutely. Right. I'm moving on with um, an American band who had made it made it big, really, with this album, I would say. And the album was called Parallel Lines. And the band were Blondie. She had a load that year, didn't she? She had a load of hits uh, in 78, yeah. The Parallel Lines album was their third. Uh, it was a Debbie Harry, Chris Stein, and Jimmy Destry song. The first single, well, I'm, this is the one I'm going for anyway. It was just the, the, it's called Picture This. I'm not going for the obvious ones. I mean, no, I think Hanging on the Telephone was uh, at the end of 78 as well. Heart yeah. of Glass, maybe the beginning of 79, which, and well, again, like the Out of the Blue album by ELO, I think there are about eight singles released off of this album too. Uh, they even squeezed, I don't think it was released in America, this one, because it, it made number 12 in the UK, only 88 in Australia, and it wasn't hit in America at all. So either it wasn't released or it flopped. I, I don't really know. But they did issue US only one way or another, which is another song from that album. This is anyway, picture this. Um, first album produced with Mike Chapman. I'm sure Austin at the very least will be very familiar with. Of Chin and Chapman. Of, right? of Chin and Chapman, yes. So you know him too. Um, now, Chapman's band were um, the worst he'd ever worked with for musical ability. So didn't, things didn't start off too well. Apart from the guitar work of Frank Infante, is it? Uh, he he was amazing apparently, and and, um, and Clem Burke on drums. Well, you say that I've got. A, he said that he, he was trying to encourage Chris Stein to actually focus on songwriting rather than playing the guitar. Um, <laughs> he also thought that Jimmy Destry was a far better songwriter than a keyboardist, and he also said Clem Burke had poor timing playing the drums. Wow! Just uh, none of the band like one another, apart from Debbie Harry and Chris Stein, obviously. Yeah. Um, he called them a classic New York underground rock band. They couldn't give a toss about anything, basically. Um, but picture this: um, that the, the whole of the, a lot of the songs, including this one, were written. That Debbie Harry would write the lyrics down very late. Like uh, Chapman would say, "Right, Debbie, we're gonna we're gonna do your vocal now, okay?" And she'll say, "You know, just a minute, just a minute," and she'll be still writing down the lyrics uh, of the song. Uh, and that's how a lot of the songs on the album were were produced or written. Anyway, picture this by Blondie. That's so basically, all she had to do was wander on stage. It didn't matter what she sang, really, was it? Because you were a fan, because it was Debbie Harry, or if you were of a certain age. Of a certain age, a certain which distance. I was, of course. 
Uh, was, was about 18 probably when this was around. <laughs> right, Austin, uh, your penultimate one. Yeah. I uh, think. Speaks, speaks to uh, uh, Mike Chapman's uh, talents as a producer, really, doesn't it? That, uh, that, that he was able to mm, indeed, uh, yeah. bring, bring, bring the best out of them and, and identify where their real talents uh, mm. individually lay. Uh, okay. And uh, since we're talking about Aussies, uh, I have another Aussie uh, selection. There's that. There's actually a number 1978. I'm, I'm going to have a quick chat about 1978 in, in Australia. So there's a little bit of a changing of the guard. There was uh, probably uh, 74, 75 was uh, the opening shot of uh, of the Australian pub rock era with uh, with Stevie Wright's Evie, and then uh, ACDC, Skyhooks, Sherbet, kind of all all hitting. Uh, the charts in, in 75 in Australia, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then around 78, 79 uh, was a bit of a changing of the guard. There was, there was a, a, a new, new wave of groups starting to come through. Uh, and, and this group kind of straddled uh, both waves. Um, they're actually uh, a, a New Zealand band, prog rock band they're a new zealand prog band that had relocated to australia and uh had been paired up with a producer who was also a kiwi expat uh, so the producer's name's pete dawkins i've i've written twitter threads about uh, about australian producers and spoken about uh, pete dawkins career uh and the band is dragon so they had oh, they had a bunch of dragon they, they had a bunch of hits great just uh a great kind of uh, commercial pop rock um, with um, you know a, a little bit of a little bit of nouse from their their prog background that just kind of sneaks in, um, but not in a way that the, the 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 average listener would know. They they were just you know clever, um, you know just in, in a in a classical way really. So this song is "Are You Old Enough?" and uh, it's uh, that the. the the lyric starts with kind of a, a nod to the uh, the, the Australian, uh, you know, uh, convict uh, bush ranger uh, uh, legend that 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 aspect of the Australian psyche, which obviously ACDC played on as well. Uh, it starts ten years in the jail was I, and I'm thinking about my baby, looking at my life go by. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, and. Uh, it, it's it's a very haunting song. Um, it's uh, it's uh, definitely one of their best. Um, yeah, I've got a got a real soft spot for Dragon. Showing my ignorance here because uh, I'm sure that you talked about this at length when we when we did the Aussie show actually when you were first on. That Dragon isn't the band that Jimmy Barnes was in, is it? That's Cold Chisel and Cold and Chisel. So, that's, so that that's another one of the. I was talking about the the the, the next wave of, of pub rock. So you had Cold Chisel uh, came out with Kaysan in '78. I guess that's on my reserve list. Um, the Angels uh, had the Face to Face album uh, with uh, Take a Long Line, which is probably something known more in Australia than uh, elsewhere. Uh, Angels produced by oh I think that their their first album was Vander and Young and then uh, that album was Marco Pitts who also produced Cold Chisel so Marco Pitts was was Vander and Young's protege okay so. right Dragon Pete <laughs> those two words go together really well don't they? what 
Dragon, Pete. <laughs> Thank you. Um, What's your next one? Oh, I had um, I had to fit in another. Uh, I had to fit in another one, which was kind of down my right up my strasser before I go way, way, way left field for the last one. With um, Kate Bush, obviously. <laughs> no, well, she had loads of singles this year. I, I, no, don't start me. Um, no, so it was a for me. It was a toss up between "Don't Kill the Whale" by Yes. There we go. I got Yes in because you've got in um, uh, the Beatles. Um, but you know which one I'm going to choose because you played it on your show yesterday. So I'm going to go not with Yes. I'm going to go with um, "Dave Is on the Road Again" by Man from Man's Earth Band, which mm-hmm. is a live staple of theirs. Um, it's them doing Dylan better than Dylan did Dylan, um, and um, I, 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 I mean, I love you know I love Manfred Man. I've got most of their stuff as well, um, but uh, this is one of my particular favourites. Uh, I really like the way it builds. That dun, 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 dun. it's really kind of sucks you in. Um, I think the band, yeah, they're really tight on it as well, and uh, it's just a great song. Uh, not a lot else to say about it, really. I, you know, I just, uh, I just think no, it's, it's a, a great song. It's a really good single. So, um, and it was, it was a, a, this um, "Blinded by the Light" was that that was seventy seven, wasn't it? Rather than seventy eight, I can't remember now. Yeah, I don't think it was Davis, the same year. No, Dave no, was, was on the road again. He's off, um, off Watch, which is the uh, the live albums on Watch, um, and it is a live staple of theirs. I've seen them do that um, live. So anyway, yeah, that's my. My penultimate, Manfred. penultimate. Okay, my penultimate is. I'm, I'm surprised no one else has, has had this one actually. So that's why I've left it right to the end, but no one has. This is this is the one song that's featured um, a guitarist who has actually taught Stinky Pete English. Ah, at, they <laughs> are on my they are on my reserve list in the mid seventies. They are that on my reserve list, Mister Mark Knopfler. Yep, and his guitar picking star with no pick, in fact, no plectrum. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's that, that, that's, that technique is it, it's called claw and hammer. Claw and hammer. Okay, yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, he's amazing. He's amazing guitarist. Anyway, it was his debut single, Dire Straits. Of course, I'm talking about, and the single was Sultans of Swing. Originally re- recorded in July 77, a uh, demo was played on local radio station by Charlie Gillette on Radio London. You remember him, uh, Pete? Vaguely. Very vaguely, yeah. That's what I thought when I was reading about it. Um, word spread and a phonogram offered them um, a contract. They re-recorded it in February 78 for their debut album, self-titled, of course. And like you were talking about, staple. FM radio songs, surely this qualifies as well. Uh, instantly recognisable. Um, inspired by uh, apparently a jazz band playing in the corner of uh, an almost empty pub in Deptford, South London, where Mark Knopfler was visiting. Uh, the lead singer at the end of the set uh, introduced his band as the Sultans of Swing, which he rather we found rather amusing. And of course, he ended up uh, calling calling the song "Sultans of Swing." And uh, Rolling Stone say, "I'm not saying whether it is uh, on their list of 500 greatest songs. It probably is actually." 
the vocal stylings are likened to those of Bob Dylan uh, and phrasing of his vocals to Lou Reed. But this is generally, or is this on this song? I don't know. Anyway, it didn't chart initially. When it was re-released again, in it was released again in January 79, it made number eight in the UK, number four in the US, and number six in Australia. Sultans of Swing, Dire Straits. I've got four of yours on my reserve list. I've done quite well with guessing what you were going to guess. Okay. Somewhere I've got a list of what I thought that you might have. But <laughs> I, I must admit, I missed, I missed Earth, Wind and... <laughs> Right, uh, Austin, the last one, final one, last one. I, I was wondering when someone was going to go for that one. I, I, I felt sure that one of you two would, uh, would take it. Yeah, so I it was on I, my reserve. I'm gonna, list. I'm gonna nab it before the last one. Okay, great song. Uh, well, um, not sure what to say about this, uh, this one. Uh, there's the uh, there's a couple of tunes that I I could have uh, could have chosen from that have got um, maybe sardonic lyrics to them. Uh, I happen to like this one. It's uh, Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London. That's on my reserve list as well, and I couldn't decide whether it was going to be that one or whether it was going to be um, yeah. Lawyers, Guns, and Money. That's the other one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just oh. it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's it's fun. It's good natured. Uh, yeah, um, and, and and really, there's there's very little else like it. So you know, um, I love him. I think he's really clever, really clever. Great words, and you as you say, sardonic. Great, great description. Just really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of went under the it's, wire, didn't he? Uh, I yeah. think Warren Z was not one of those that people are overly familiar with, but. So maybe that could have come into the underrated if we ever had it. Did we have an underrated show? We probably didn't. Yeah. Like what? Like the, what? the like the lyrics like saw him having a pina colada at Trader Vic's and his yeah. hair was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to meet his tailor. I mean, yeah. where, where, what was going on in his head when he just wrote those lyrics? But I mean, it's just a really good song. It's a really clever yeah. song. I, I love the words. Well, I mean, all the I mean, any of his songs that get radio play. There's two or three get played on Planet Rock, so I hear them a lot. And um, it, and and you just you listen to the words, and you're kind of listening along, doing something else, and you just think this guy's words are great. They're just so clever. Yeah, mm. brilliant. <laughs> Another one we lost far too early. Yes, we did. Very sadly. Very very sadly. Right. So, Pete, your last one. Okay, my last one. You would never get this in a billion years, but I am going with this. This is maybe arguably the queen of disco, but it is certainly just an absolutely brilliant song. Donna Summer? Yeah, MacArthur Park. I just absolutely love MacArthur Park. I love the words. She's got a wonderful voice. She could have been in my female singers if I hadn't basically chosen all rock singers. Yeah, great Um, singer. But she, she's got a great voice, um, power, range, just I love her delivery. And I just think that is another one of those songs, a very redolent of the era, very much part of that Studio 54 disco thing. But it stands out as just a great song and she delivers it perfectly. And again, it's just, I mean, it was October 
78 that it came out. So by that time, I was working in London. I was going home on the, dragging out on the central line back out to Buckersdale in the evening. I was living at home until I moved away in 1780. Um, and... Um, it just reminds me of that autumn of my first few months at work and, you know, kind of working out that I was, this wasn't going to get any better and I wasn't allowed to be a student anymore and I'd better get on with my life, you know, so, but it was kind of a theme to that. So Donna Summer, MacArthur Park, there we go. It's a, it's a, it's a good song. I must admit, I remember, I like the version uh, that I, I think it was in the late 60s, I don't know whether 67, 68 time, could have been 69, by Richard Harris. You mean the, the actor? Well, they do, yeah. He was probably pissed when he sung it. Absolutely. But it was, uh, it was, it's a mighty fine song. Not an easy song to sing by any means, but I'm no. sure Donna Summer made it sound a lot easier than, than Richard Harris, as much Jeez. as I like yeah, them. Yeah, well, Harris. that's. Sorry, Austin. Jimmy Jimmy Webb composition, of course. Yes, of course, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, who who uh, had penned uh, a couple of real um, uh, uh, Witcher alignment and a couple of others, yeah. Glenn Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very savvy songwriter. Yeah, it's it's just a great song. Just a great song. Changing the subject, actually, we saw Guns and Roses at um, the Spurs Stadium a couple of weeks back. I didn't. And very Guns and Roses performed um, Wichita Lightman. Wow. Which was a bit of a shock. Um, right, I'm moving on to my last one. I, I've got a couple of I'm throwing in here because they were not hits in the slightest. You can tell the genre then, probably. They're like New Wave. Um, I, I sport for choice between the two really i was tempted by a, a band called the boys which were a, a british band who had the uh, achievement of being the only at one point at the beginning of january 77 i believe they're the only uk punk new wave band to actually have a record contract um given that the sex pistols had already been fired from emi and the damned um, had uh, only a one single deal with Stiff Records, so they had the only one. And the single I was going to go for by the boys was Brickfield Nights, totally ignored by everyone, the, the, the boys, but they were a great band. Now, the one I'm going for is Stiff Little Fingers, another band from Northern Ireland, um, like the undertones, but they used to sing about the the troubles in Northern Ireland, which they had arguments with the undertones who thought that, you know, why are you singing about all the troubles in, in Northern Ireland where well, they should be singing songs about, I don't know, uh, girls and, and Sabutio and stuff like that, that the undersides used to, used to write about. Um, but it was a, it was a great song. Um, you, you, you got a sus, I, know, I don't want to read the lyrics. Inflammable materials planted in my head. It's a suspect device that's left 2000 dead. The song's called suspect device. And uh, it was on there, a version of it was on their debut album, inflammable material. Um, they, um, yeah, they take away our freedom in the name of liberty. Why can't they all just clear off? Why can't they just let us be? Yeah, inflammable materials planted in my head. It's a suspect device that's left 2000 dead. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great punk song and, uh, angry, angry lyrics performed angrily. Probably you both would hate it. So, you know, 
I'll p- make know, sure that it goes I, off this playlist. I quite like Angry. I, I was going to choose Up Against the Wall by TRB. Well, you know, it? that was one I'm surprised you haven't gone for, Tom Robinson. Either well, Up Against the Wall. Listen, there were literally so many. I've got, I've got an entire back page of my thing with all of these songs on. I could have gone. I thought you were going to go with um, uh, The Who. Who are you? Yeah. I, no. I was... I no, thought, I thought you were going to choose Who Are You? Yeah. No, Latter Day Who. I'm not as keen on, to be perfectly honest. Um, no, I don't know. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting note to finish the, uh, the main list on, Colin. Anything in your, uh, in your reserves to, uh, to, to lift the mood again? <laughs> yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit down, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I've got uh, quite a few, actually, honorary mention. I could, but they're probably all new wave songs. I did mention Just The Way You Are which is, of course, Billy Joel. I've got Up Against a Wall, uh, Ever Falling in Love with Buzzcocks. Um, another, another punk one was Don't Come Close, which is by the Ramones, one of my favourite bands. Um, and interestingly, a guitar solo in that one, which is uh, quite novel. Uh, one that I thought maybe someone would go, not necessarily because they're, well, they're not really punk, but I suppose they were bracketed in the new wave, was The Police and Roxanne. That obviously got no, I avoided them because I thought you'd choose them. No, I didn't. Uh, it was an interesting uh, song, a tango, no less. Mm. Um, I don't, if you're familiar with the song Roxanne, I've assumed Austin down there. Oh, well familiar. Well familiar, yeah. And the fact that at the start of the song, in the intro, Sting sat accidentally on the piano. Is it the laughing? Laugh? And you right. can hear, yeah, it's go. left on the master version. You can still hear it on the song. Yeah. Uh, hence, Sting is credited on the sleeve uh, as playing butt piano. Uh, Elvis Costello had a couple, of course. Pump It Up, Radio, yeah. Radio. Yeah. And, um, of course, I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. Yeah, they were all on my reserve list for you. Yeah. There oh, was that, a few a... of those kind of, those big American bands. There was Blue Oyster Cult at Godzilla. Yeah, Don't Fear the Reaper. Um and uh Kansas had Dust in the Wind. Yeah. And Bob Seeger had Hollywood Nights. Oh yes. And Justin Haywood had Forever Autumn. Forever Autumn. That was another one I got written down. Here. Journey had Wheel in the Sky. Rainbow, Long Live Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. Um Skinnard, What's Your Name? Spirit, Nature's Way. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of those big bands. Robert Palmer, Every Kind of People. That was a great song. That was, yeah, we'll be here all night if we mention them all. Yeah, Absolutely but I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think. Okay. What I'm going to do is list the ones that I have been given, so maybe some of these will lighten the mood. Uh, Jackie, uh, the wonderful Jackie Martin, who was on a couple of weeks back. Wuthering Heights is the first one. Yeah, I am. I was just going to throw mine in uh, before you moved on to that, uh, oh, go on, go on which um, mentioned earlier from Cold Chisel. I, I thought, uh, in a sense, we were on Saturday Night Fever. There might have been something from Greece, um, but uh, like the, the the soundtrack song by Frankie Valley, Greece mm-hmm. uh, is um, yeah, just great kind of R and B pop. Um, Santana's cover of uh, Buddy Holly's "Well All Right." Well All Right, yeah. Oh, forgot and, that. Cool. Yeah. And for years and years and years, I thought that was Eric Clapton. It wasn't. It was Carlos Santana. Um, and uh, and the other single that we got we got down under at least uh, off the um, London Town album from Wings was um, uh, "I've Had Enough." Great. I've great had enough. Rocker. Yeah, underrated. Yeah, we had it as a single too. Yeah. Of course, "With yeah. a Little Luck" was released in '78 too, as a follow up to Mullaf Kintyre. 
Um, okay. right, so, so that's it, me. Okay, that's you. I'll, I'll just run through these. And Jackie's, uh, as I said, hinted at before, Wuthering Heights, Kate Bush, just for Pete, that one, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Mr. Blue Sky, Electric Light Orchestra, Miss You by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I have that on my list as well. Because the Night, Patty Smith, I'm Every Woman, Chaka Khan. Yeah, I had that as well. I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea, Elvis Costello. Uh, this is a song I'm not so familiar with, Morning of Our Lives by Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. A nice disco one here from ABBA, Summer Night City. Uh, Talking in Your Sleep, Crystal Gale, which reminded her of her dad, who loved Crystal Gale. And My Life, Billy Joel. Good choice there, Jackie, good choice. Now, Graham has given us Baker Street, Jerry Rafferty, uh, With a Little Luck, Wings, Ever Fallen in Love by the Buzzcocks, Rock Lobster, B-52s, that band you'd never heard of the other day, Pete. Well, another girl. I looked at that, I thought, I know that song, so I've obviously heard Rock Lobster before. Yeah, yeah. another girl, another planet, uh, the only ones. Uh, It's always on all the punk compilations. Shot by Both Sides, Magazine. That was uh, how Devoto left the Buzzcocks. Public Image Limited, Public Image. Sultans of Swing, Dire Straits, Neon Lights, Craftwork, uh, and then um, a double A side by Chris Bell of the um, Big Star fame. And I am the Cosmos, and you and your sister. That was a double A side song. And then two more The White Man in Hammersmith Palais by The Clash, and Run for Home, Lindisfarne. Good song, oh, yeah, good that song. Was on. yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. It is a good song. Yeah, song. Uh, a few more I've got here, the odd ones. Uh Shelley, Greece, anything from Greece. So there you go. That, that counts, doesn't it, uh, Austin? Uh and also Boogie Oogie Oogie by a taste of honey. Now that sounds like one that Mark, our friend Mark, would really love. Yeah, yeah, you go for that. Stephanie <laughs> has given me Baker Street. Um Two out of three ain't bad and lay down Sally. I think lay down Sally was at the very end of 77, actually, to be perfectly honest. So maybe her second choice, two out of three ain't bad, was an indication of the choice <laughs> of songs. I <laughs> uh, want oh, anything by the Bee Gees. Uh, Cindy Matthews, anything by Billy Joel. I think we covered that. Adrian Matthews, Wuthering Heights. There's two votes for that one, Pete. Clive's gone a bit mad. Down in the Tube Station at Midnight by The Jam. Picture this by Blondie. Teenage Kicks by The Undertones. That's three of mine. My Best Friend's Girl by The Cars. Rat Trap. Oh, another one of mine. Now That We Found Love by Third World's Reggae. Uh, now I, I got that on my, that when it was at the reggae thing, I got that along with Peter Tosh on my backup list. Okay. Because The Night, again. Uh, one I'm surprised that you didn't have, Austin. Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh. That I was on my reserve list. I, okay. um, I, I, I culled it because I couldn't find the single edit on Spotify. I just went, no, oh, okay. I'm, not si- I'm not sitting through nine minutes of Life's Been Good. No, so I didn't want to the list. Uh, two, two out of three ain't bad. Meatloaf. <laughs> Baker Street. Dreadlock Holiday by 10CC. Is This Love? Bob Marley and the Wailers. Follow You. Follow Me. Genesis. Yeah, Davey's on the road again. By Manfred Man's Earth Band, Run for Home, Linda's Farm, Wishing on a Star by Rose Royce, Pump It Up, Elvis Costello, Don't Fear the Reaper, Blue Oyster Cult, What a Waste, Ian Dury and the Blockheads, Hong Kong Garden, Susan Avanchies, and Ever Fallen in Love by the Buzzcocks. We've got two others uh, from Rhonda. 
I'm not sure in which order these are, but I've got a 10 to 1. Uh, Promises, Eric Clapton. Take Me to the River, Talking Heads. Coming Home, Leonard Skinnerd. Lawyers, Guns and Money, Warren Zevon. Is This Love, Bob Marley. Because the night has got a lot of votes, hasn't it? Uh, who should, what, sorry, Why Should Love Be This Way by the Michael Stanley Band. Uh, they're an Ohio band. As uh, Oh, yeah, that reminds me. Rhonda did say earlier on that Toto still play here regularly in northeast Ohio. Uh, also, Son of a Son of a Sailor by Jimmy Buffett. What's Next to the Moon, ACDC. I'm not sure whether these are all singles, actually. And The Promised Land by Bruce Springsteen. And finally, Barbie, because the night, Patty Smith, Le Freak by Chic. Yeah, and my wife, Sarah. No, Rogers is brilliant. Grease, Frankie Valley, Hanging on the Telephone, Blondie, Kiss You All Over, Exile, Beast of Burden, The Rolling Stones. Do you think I'm sexy? Rod Stewart. No, is the answer. Sultans of Swing, Dire Straits. And oh, another another Kate Bush one in for you, there, Pete. Oh, super! And I, I must admit, I love this is one I could have had on my reserve list because I love the song. Man, man with the child, man with the child in his eyes, superb yeah. song. Oh, and one I'm not so familiar with at the bottom, Jimmy Buffett, Cheeseburger in Paradise. I might be familiar with Cheeseburger in Paradise, but I'm not familiar with the with the song itself. <laughs> right, that can. I, I thought I thought you. I thought you're gonna finish with. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm familiar with me. <laughs> right. So that's uh, that's the show done. 78, I think we all agree, a great year for singles. Brilliant. A superb year for singles. Look yeah. forward to the Spotify playlist. I'll send them um I'll send this lot to you, Austin. Yeah. So you can add the, them on. This is going to be an absolutely banging playlist. I think you it have is. to concede. And it's going to be epically long as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not with my songs. My songs are generally quite short. Maybe Sultan to Swing aside, I suppose. Maybe that's why it wasn't a hit single when it first came out. It's a bit long for a bit of radio play, I guess. Um, Okay, well, this podcast will... Thank you both, by the way. Um, This podcast will be posted to the usual fora, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it... Yeah, something like that. All the usual lot, anyway. And, of course, eventually, Pete will be on... The BBC. We're still not been on there yet, but we will be one day. Exactly. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, thank you, Austin. Been an Good absolute pleasure. Yeah. And thank you, Pete, once more. And uh, in the meantime, oh, catch me tomorrow morning on the radio. Did I yes, say that earlier? Of course. Nine a.m. Yes. Um, Four a.m. in the Eastern Daylight Time. Not sure what it is in Australia, but it's probably in the evening sometimes. Isn't it? So can I just say, can I just say, you are irritatingly good on that show, and it's pissing me off. Oh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's six pm here, which is a great time, but you need a VPN because uh, they, uh, it's not the, connected. We're, we're geo blocked, geo location okay. blocked. Oh well, we don't want to be geo blocked, do we? Well, no, so v, v, VPN to the US, uh, easy enough. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, and thank you, Pete, for that. I think it was a compliment there. It was a glowing compliment, compliment, Colin. That's as glowing glowing as my compliments ever get. Just because I played something by um, Nightwish the other day, I think, for you. No, you did great, yeah. Good man. In the meantime, yeah, it's a good night from me. It's a good night from him. And it's a good night to you, lovely people. Thank you very much. Not off. 
No, no. See ya.